0: own your truth with life strategist Laura T real advice for regular people now here's Laura
1: hello and welcome to own your truth where we're talking real advice for regular people I'm Laura T thank you so much for listening I know there's lots of ways you can spend your time and I am always grateful you're going to spend the next hour with me as I mentioned at the start of this season of radio shows, uh, each month I'll be interviewing someone who's really living their truth, and by that I mean living life their way. Tonight is one of those shows, and I am super excited to spend time with artist Arthur and entrepreneur Jane Pollock. A little background on Jane. For more than 30 years, Jane has transformed and energized the lives of hundreds of men and women through her expert coaching, and she's inspired thousands more through her writing and speaking. Jane is the author of three books, one, Too Much of Not Enough, which we're going to talk a lot about tonight, uh, an earlier book, Soul Proprietor, 101 Lessons from a Lifestyle Entrepreneur, and her very first book, Decorating Eggs, Exquisite Designs with Wax and Dye. She's been profiled by the New York Times. She's appeared on NBC's The Today Show and the CBS Evening News. Jane was also a featured speaker at TEDx Mill River. She is a mother, grandmother, and ex-wife of a 38-year marriage. Jane, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Laura. It's great to be here.
1: I'm so excited that you're here. Me too. Before we start, I'd love to share how I've met my guests. And, you know, when you and I looked back at our correspondence, we realized we actually met back in 2011.
2: You know, I'm trying to remember, was it through the Entrepreneurial Women's Network, or or um, or one or like a women's, it was a, a women's group, but I can't remember which one, FNEW, it, I, uh,
1: do you remember? It was, so it was actually a friend of mine was in one of your group coaching programs, and she said, you should meet Jane Pollock, you should meet Jane Pollock, and I have these instances in my life where people say you should meet this person, and once I've heard it more than once, I'm like, okay, which I did about you, and um, so I knew instantly that I wanted to meet you, and I think... I think I was kind of bold enough to just reach out and um, say hi. And we made arrangements to meet for lunch. And I have to say that even as the years have passed, I just remember you were so gracious and kind and warm. And I so appreciated our time together. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was lovely. And so that's I'm I remember shortly after I think that you had moved um, and I followed your success online. And this is one of those times where I'm so grateful for social media, um, for its ability to help me stay connected to people that I admire. So I was exactly that's great. I was thrilled when you said you'd be on the show.
2: Sure, sure. I love what you're doing. I love what you're up to.
1: Thank you so much. So let's dive in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, great. So let's talk about your recent memoir, Too Much of Not Enough. You know I love this title. Where did it come from?
2: Yes, yes. You know, it's interesting. Um, I would love to say, you know, I had an epiphany in the middle of the night that this is it, but I actually had another title for it, and I, uh, my publisher is She Writes Press, and they came back with the title, and I kind of, you know, rolled it around for a while, and I thought, oh my God, that's exactly, you know, what my life was like. My title, my working title was uh, uh, Life Lessons I Learned to Become Myself, or something. And they said, that's much too self-referential. <laughs> you know, you want something that other people can relate to, and, you know, people who, who see the title, they just say, wow, you know, I, I totally understand you know what that you know what that means because anybody who has lived a life of too much of not enough knows whereas um, there's a memoir out by Andrew Reynolds the um, actor and his is too much is not enough, and it's like there's mm. such a difference between is and of <laughs> you know so um you know he he's he'll never have enough, and I'm like, please give me a little bit more that will be plenty
1: mm. well, it's amazing those little shifts in language make a huge difference so
2: exactly and i I like to say you know I feasted on a banquet of crumbs that mm. I you know there was the whole banquet in but the little things that fell off were what i what I went for and and the too much of not enough is like no more. I, I can't do that anymore. I did that for a large part of my life, and I'm and I'm not willing to do it anymore. To settle for less than enough.
1: Well, so that's a, that. Let's talk about that because the title is so fitting for the memoir. Um, it, it is such a match. What has that come to mean for you now? This idea of too well, much of not enough.
2: It, yeah. So, you know now 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 my watchword is enough you know i won't i won't do that anymore i won't take that behavior anymore i won't settle for less than i deserve anymore so what it has required is me speaking up to say um excuse me but i i think i'm entitled to this and as a woman particularly i think women will relate to this there's you know there's a dichotomy on what's given out and and also as the you know i was the second child in the family the quiet one out of four and other people would grab, and I would sort of wait if I was really good, if I was really quiet, you know, things would come to me. That just doesn't work. It's not a formula for success. So it's really speaking up and saying, <coughs> excuse me, this is what I would like. This is what I deserve.
1: Mm, that and, idea uh, of asking. life lesson. Mm. Yeah,
2: exactly. It, now it means really asking for, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Could you help me? You know, you know. I thought I deserved this, or I thought this was the price on something. It's it's constant. It's not something that you learn once and it goes away. It's it has to be repeated.
1: Well, and in the book, you actually reference how you were um, you were extolled. That people were like, "Oh, Jane's the good one." Was that the language I believe was <laughs> used? Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. My maiden name was Goodman, uh-huh. and and my my siblings called me Goody Goody Goodman. <laughs> I was so, you know, just so conscientious, and, you know, that was how I would get my parents' attention, and I thought it was a compliment if my mother said, I don't have to worry about Jane, you know, and mm-hmm. I realized it was actually the lost child, that, you know, was like, I don't have to think about Jane, because I know she's just going to follow suit on whatever happens, and I, had an, I have an older sister who's very extroverted, acted out a lot, and that was how she got attention, mm-hmm. but I could just kind of quietly hide in the shadows and just be good and get good grades and you know take care of mommy and that that kind of behavior and that just doesn't serve you know as an adult it doesn't serve
1: well and it's so interesting going back to that idea we first talked about about how shifts in language matter so much and when we're the parent how much our language matters to kids because so much of what we speak is unintentional it is meant as a compliment at that time and then how that's carried on as we grow as we get older
2: you know, in my, so, so segueing over to my coaching practice, mm-hmm. there are words that I won't, I won't permit my clients to use, like just, uh, not, a, you know, what do they say, um, just try mm-hmm. a little, because they'll say, oh, here's my little brochure. It's like, that wasn't, a, you know, I'm, I'm putting together a little seminar. There is no little seminar. You know, it's a way we have to, we diminish ourselves, and you have to be really careful of how you language things. Because that then people will minimize you, and we—that's—we really don't want that. So I'm very con- conscious of how how I speak things these days.
1: It's so important. What a great um, a great lesson. So you know, I've just admired so much about this book, and it's such a powerful story about your journey journey and discovering honesty with yourself and in your relationship with others. If you had to um, articulate one lesson that you want people to walk away with from your book, Too Much of Not Enough, what would it be?
2: I I think that it's, you know, it's, it's very widely out there, which is trust your gut. But I knew, you know, in my early 30s that things weren't right. My body was telling me, I like the expression, the body is the midwife to the mind and your your and the body doesn't lie. So mm. I was getting these signals but I was so afraid because I didn't know what to do with them. I I stayed in my marriage and and I don't want to say that it was a bad marriage. It just it wasn't nurturing to me and I wasn't growing in it. I was growing independently of it, but the marriage wasn't growing. So I don't want to put down the marriage, but I had information early on, but I didn't have a mother to go home to. I didn't have a best friend. I I didn't have the resources to leave. And so I think I had to learn what I had to learn, but I I had enough information from my body to say that you know that wasn't right. And then years later, when we were getting divorced, some things came to light, and it's like okay, I knew it. I knew it back then, mm. but I didn't. I didn't trust it. And I think you know our our gut is to, you know or they say your you know the gut is like a second brain, and your heart. They actually have brain cells in your gut and in your heart because it's not just the brain that takes in information. So I think we. diminish and dismiss the wisdom of our bodies and Mm -hmm. i would say listen to your body and also what happens if you're a fan of louise hay our body tells us things you know if your feet begin not to function if you get stomach aches what can't you stomach
0: if you have shoulder Mm -hmm.
2: pains you know what are you shouldering you know it shows up in the places so our, our bodies are these amazing tools for directing us and i wasn't listening to it enough and also i was you know hiding it with sugar, you know, I would just binge on stuff, because I don't want to feel that, so I'm just going to go to Friendly's and get a, you know, double scoop of mint chocolate chip ice cream, and then that goes away, Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, all the information is there, and what we choose to listen to, and it's still there today, you know, I I have some pain, you know, it's like, I I feel better when all my kids are calling me, you know, know, and when they're not, I, I feel this tension, so my body is holding on to things, and is very wise. So I'd say really trust your body.
1: That's fantastic advice. Gene. in this book, there are so many um, really relatable quotes. One that really hit me was when you say, expectations are premeditated resentments. This really struck me as particularly brilliant. What does that mean for you?
2: I, I, I love this when I hear it. A lot of things I, I reference are from my twelve step recovery, mm-hmm. so I don't want people to think, "God, she's such a genius." Because this is, you, know,
1: this is a, <laughs> you are a
2: genius. You are a genius. the, they call it the room, so, um, so it so it would be if I were to go to Thanksgiving this year with my extended family, cousins and siblings, and all that, and expect that um, you know, let me see if they'll all come around to me and you know, ask me about the book and how the book is doing. I'm setting myself up to be disappointed. I'm setting up, that I have an expectation, and then if they don't, I'm going to be like, well, why didn't she ask me about the book? And why didn't he, you know, mm-hmm. So it re- it's a setup for, and I think we do it all the time, all the time. And it's, it really is something I've learned not to do, to create expectations, because it, it, they're just disappointing.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you can
2: go, uh, you know, I, I like the expression, wear life as a loose garment, like a li- loose garment, which is another recovery phrase. Just like, go with the flow, be in the, you know, I think a lot of it is the power of now and Mm -hmm. just saying, in what is happening in the moment, not going in with an agenda that nobody else has read. When I I started years ago, when I started therapy, you know, when I was in my 20s, she said, oh, you know, I started to tell this whole story and she said, oh, he hadn't read your script. Ah. I kinda, how did she know how did she know you know i do this then he does that and i grew up in a family where my mother would guess like is this what's wrong jane is this what's you know so i had this game and i was the director of a show that nobody else knew they were in you know kind of like the truman show and it, it doesn't work Right, so to be as present as possible to be in the now as much as possible it's such a healthy way to uh, approach life.
1: And, you know, it, it sounds like such common sense, and yet you know that in, it, it can be difficult. It just seems natural to set up those expectations. As a coach and author, what specific tools do you suggest to help people stay in that now and, and get out of the expectation?
2: Well, I, I had an experience. I, you know, I think uh, just to pause for a moment. I had an experience. I was in Starbucks about a week ago, and I they had a funny thing. It was uh, they said, you know, use a funny name, you know, for you know, because they call you out by name. Oh, right, right. And so, you know, so uh, they called out this name. That it, it could have been a funny name, but it was um, uh, just an unusual name. And I looked at the person. I said, I think I know who it, who that is. It was somebody I knew from a different part of my life who had uh, cha- changed gender and had chosen this kind of peculiar name. And I said, I wonder if that's that young woman that I know. And then I thought about it, because what I, what I would have wanted was, like, I know who you are, you know, and I'm going to impress you by knowing who you are in this sort of unusual setting of Starbucks. And I thought about it. It's like, well... The reason I know her is because my good friend was friends with her mother who died. So do I want to bring that up, mm-hmm.
0: you know, and upset this
2: person? And then uh, where I had seen her was where my ex-boyfriend lived, and they belonged to the same uh, swim club. And it's like, well, uh, what, you know, so I, I just I paused. And I think the pause is one of the greatest things you can do. Just think through. Think, think it through to the end. What, what is going to be the outcome of this if I say this? Um, you know, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Does it need to be said now?
0: Mm-hmm. And if I can
2: do that process, then I have a much better time. Because you know, if I played that through and I said, "Are you so and so?" and she said yes, and then we, you know, I say how I knew her or him, it would have been unpleasant for for that person.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
2: why, you know, why? And, and I thought that through, and I felt very proud of myself. It's like I don't think I've ever done this. Like I, you know, I actually edited my thoughts and and gave them some uh, importance before I address this person and thrown off that person's day.
1: That, that idea, especially it, with today's technology and instant gratification, that idea of the pause is really a mm-hmm. beautiful one and, and so important. And I don't think, I know even, even for me, it's so easy to be like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, so that's great, great advice, that idea of taking the pause.
2: It's very simple, and, you know, more people should do it. <laughs> and I, t- I tend to cut people off because people can, you know, people like an audience. I'm a very good listener, and so I tend to, uh, you know, come in with something. And so not doing that is also something, you know, allow people to finish their thought, to, to get through it, what it is they want to say. is very helpful.
1: Excellent. That's excellent advice. So in continuing with some of these really great quotes from the book, um, one other that stuck out to me was when you had son- said unspoken desires are more dangerous than disagreements. Can you talk more about that? You know,
2: I, I have to tell you, I, I, you know, you had mentioned that in an email, and I looked it up. I couldn't
1: find it, so I, don't, I, can't, I can't really speak to that. I don't remember. Well, remember wouldn't it be awesome— if I said that, no, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I would be I did, so impressed with search. myself.
2: I did a word search in the, uh, you know, in my trans, in my um, manuscript, and it's like that didn't. Those two words didn't come up. So I thought, Gee, and I they don't. They don't sound familiar to me. So. I thought it was like I don't think I said that. Well, even so I genius. I, I think I, it was not me.
1: Well, so what's interesting is because as I was reading the book, I was taking notes, and so once ah. I had gone to put together questions, I hadn't clearly articulated what were notes and what were. And I just assumed, oh, okay, here's a great question. Um, well, so so even if those weren't your words, is there any part of what you've learned in your self discovery that ha- has that stand true this idea of unspoken desires are more dangerous than disagreements is that even well, something think, you would agree with you know I I'm,
2: let me spoke to unspoken desires um, I think what happened my my first addiction was codependency mm. and so the desire it was like a fantasy that this person would become my best friend and that she would care for me and love me the way a mother should have cared for and loved me so that was the unspoken desire you know, I'm not sure that where the disagreements comes in around that, but um, it was, uh, you know, I, that was my script. It's like, we're going to be best friends, and you're going to take care of me. And, you know, the model that I had was my mother would say, you know, I love you, I love you, I'm sorry, I don't have time. So it was this sort of, uh, I used the illustration I used on that chapter as a fish hook because my mother would hook me like, I love you so
0: mm-hmm. much, I
2: don't have time. So I would, I would get hooked. And then reeled in, but then disappointed. It's you know like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. Right. Promises time it's going to be there. So I think that's the you know the unspoken desire is that he's going to kick the, the you know the the touchdown, um, uh, and then and then she disappoints him. So I'm not sure about disagreement, but I think it's that. Um, you know, the, again, it's an, exp- an unmet expectation, and it's not discussed, and and you don't even know what it is, and nor you know, I, I keep ch- I kept choosing people who couldn't fulfill it, mm-hmm. now, until until I realized that's you know that's not fair, and so I stopped.
1: Well, you know, and when I originally was formulating these questions, you know, the the next question brought to light sort of this idea of disagreement is for some people it's easier to speak their mind. Do you have advice for those who are less likely to own their truth? And and again maybe this was something I was thinking that you know not speaking your truth and holding that back was easier than having someone disagree with you or outwardly say Ah, no I won't give you that time.
2: Yes yes and I think what happens with a lot of people and and they seemed to be people that I met, was that they would say, I would love to go for a walk with you. I would love to have lunch with you. It's easier to say yes. And then when it came time for the lunch or the walk, they'd say, I'm so sorry, I have to cancel. Mm -hmm. So that was a bitter disappointment to me because when you say, you know, we're going to have lunch together, it goes in like I'm I'm etching it in stone because I so want to have that appointment with you. And the people who are saying it are like, oh, I think I might have said to Jane I was going to do that, but she probably doesn't even remember. You know, we, we take the invitation in very different ways. Right. And that was, you know, that was just devastating to me because because of the way I do it. It's like it's, it's carved in stone and it's going to be. And I kept choosing people who didn't also carve it in stone. That was just, uh, <laughs> when I was, this is going to sound like a completely different segue, but when I was in Morocco, uh, the woman giving us a tour said, you know, the... Um, the road things where the crossing, you know, the crossing lane, she goes, those are just a suggestion. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the drivers don't regard them. So, you know, to them it was a suggestion. Yeah, I'd like to have lunch with you. Oh, you wrote down 2 o'clock on, on Tuesday? Oh, sorry, I, you know, I didn't. So, it, you know, it really is how you regard your commitment. And my, my word is, you know, is for, for forever. And some
1: people don't have that same discipline. Right, right. And so how do you suggest... You know, when you have, I look from from my area of work. I look at it as different behavioral styles, and um, when mm-hmm. you have those two differences, um, how do you learn to speak your word or or, or speak your mind, or it, do you sort of just choose different people? How would you recommend people go about um, finding their way?
2: I, it, it was it really was discernment. So um, you know, if somebody said to me, we should really have lunch. I would hear that is um, let's get together next Wednesday at such and such, and what I heard was we should have lunch is not let's have lunch.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
2: began to discern the language, and then what I would like to you know what I would do is I'd say good when, you know, and if they said oh I'll get back to you, that's you know that's that's what I would notice that you know how committed were they. So I began to dismiss or disregard people who said oh you know I'd love to get together with you, and I'd say yeah that'd be great. Rather than, because I realized they were just, they, there's you know, there's a whole term called people pleasers.
0: They mm-hmm. just want
2: to make you happy. And I was, I surrounded myself with people pleasers and because they, they made me happy and then I'd be disappointed. So I look for people who say, you know, I'm, I'm available next Tuesday. Are you? It's like, yes, yes. And often they're the ones who are a little bit less shiny, mm-hmm. you know, they're, it's, it's less sexy. There's something very alluring about somebody who's seemingly unavailable, and I was very attracted to that, that ooh, shiny. You know, it's like, oh, sign me up. But now I'm, I'm not looking for that anymore. I'm looking for someone with their feet on the ground, you know, who can do what they say they're going to do with integrity.
1: Yeah, I love that. Again, I, I, I sort of hang on to your language. That language of discernment is so smart and such a good way to look at your interactions with people. Jane, this has been amazing. We're going to take a short break now to feature this week's Musical Artist of the Week. And then we're going to come, ta- come back and talk more about your career and lessons learned during your journey. Okay, this week's Musical Artist of the Week is California Guitar Trio. If you recall, during my interview with Paul Richards a few weeks ago, I mentioned Paul generously gave me a list of songs to choose from for that night. I couldn't help but share one more of his brilliant tunes. I had the chance to see California Guitar Trio live since my interview with Paul and I will tell you these gentlemen are true masters of their craft. If you have a chance to see them live, do not hesitate. Buy a ticket and go. Um, Tonight you'll hear one of my favorite songs. Here is Cherry Cherry Tree from California Guitar Trio. Enjoy. Welcome back from the Sweet Sounds of California Guitar Trio. So in this book, you talk about um, going to meetings. You just mentioned um, your co-addiction. I'd love to have you describe um, how you saw your addictions. I don't think everyone would see it the same way.
2: You know, addiction is a a very charged word. So... um, it was funny. I, I gave a talk in um, Toastmasters once, and I said um, I have a sweet tooth, and that's not as, as that's not as um, as challenging as you know. I'm a sugar addict.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I was a sugar
2: addict. I I thought about sugar. I thought about when am I going to get my next fix? When can I get to friendlies. A friend of mine said, you know, a pint of Haagen-Dazs never spent a night in my house. If there was if there was sugar that I liked in my house, it was gone. And so I had a, you know, a very unhealthy relationship with sugar. And I I imagine a lot of your listeners can relate to that.
1: I was fortunate it
2: wasn't alcohol because sugar only makes you heavier, give you cavities. You know, eventually it'll cause more illness, but it was not as, um, it it didn't cause me to be late for work or, you know, anything that alcoholism can do. Um, So it doesn't show up, but it's. What I like, a definition of addiction is that the opposite of addiction is um, is connection. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is I would hide in whatever it was. So I would hide in my codependency, hide in my sugar addiction, because it could make me, it it isolated me. And I would be in love with this bowl of ice cream for the, you know, 15 minutes that it took me to eat it. And the world would go away. And it's really substituting something for life. And, you know, what we say, you know, what I, I like the phrase that you're filling a God-sized hole with some substance, whether it's mm. alcohol, drugs, sugar, shopping, sex, you know, it could be anything, another human being, that there's actually what you're looking for is to be filled with some kind of spirit. And that's why connection is so important, because when I'm conversing with another person, I, I'm rarely hungry. I rarely want to do anything that's not healthy for me. But when I'm alone and isolated, I look for things that will make me feel better in the moment. And sugar was certainly, for for many years, for almost 40 years, it it did the trick.
1: Wow. And so how did that show up in your relationships with people?
2: How did the, uh, well, with my my friend, the, the codependency was I was so needy you know, I was just like, well, when can you walk or when can I see you? You know, it was, I think everybody knows the story of a desperate boyfriend or girlfriend, no matter what sex you are, you know, somebody who would drive by your house or, you know, send unwanted notes or, you know, there's so many more ways to do it now online, you know, to stalk you. And I was, I was having some of those behaviors. I couldn't get this person out of my mind. That's a sickness. That's, you know, that's beyond a healthy relationship. And when I, my first re, my first recovery program was Codependence Anonymous, and what was so great was that everybody else in the room was describing exactly what I was feeling. It's like, oh, there's actually a name for what what I have here, that I was using people to to fill me up. So, um, you know, it was, and I and I weep for that young woman. I was in my twenties, and I didn't know. I didn't mm. know um but now that i know it's you know it's crystal clear to me and i can see when behaviors become i i, I don't think I, I i i mean i can addict to a lot of things like you know i like i like watching you know a particular netflix show but I can, I can stop myself. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not in any way interfering with my life. My relationship with this friend completely interfered with my life. It interfered with my mothering. It interfered with my relationship with my husband. You know, it was a mess. And it took me, you know, it was huge to take that step away and say, I can't do this anymore. And that became, you know, that's really where my book starts is that I, you know, I, I fell off a cliff and my life completely changed and opened up into, they call it the fourth dimension, you know, a, a, a way of life that I never knew existed before, which I'm so happy I've discovered.
1: And so how, um, how did going to those meetings help you get to this fourth dimension, this place that you couldn't have imagined before?
2: Well, you know, there's so many things that people don't talk about, and um, I won't swear, but, you know, I, you know, I, somebody, a newcomer to one of my meetings said, you talk about real S blank, blank, blank in here. It's like, where do you talk about the real stuff? Right. And so here are these people saying, you know, I did this sexual behavior because I'd rather... You know, I'd rather be with somebody than be alone. It's like, I I never get to hear that anyplace. You know, that's, and that's real. That's really Mm -hmm. how people behave. And so I heard real people telling real stories about their, their lives and their relationships. And it's like, me too, me too. And, and there was a, you know, there was a solution. There was, you know, you could pick up the phone and call somebody else. You could get on your knees and pray. You could go to a meeting. You could call a sponsor. I mean, there were a list of tools. And by doing those, over the 30 years that I've been in recovery, I've gotten better. I have healthy relationships. I ended that unhealthy relationship. And I, you know, I I have tools for being in life that I never really had.
1: Wow! So, in speaking about tools, in uh, and in the book, and I believe in one of your blog posts, you had mentioned the, a God box. I love yes. this concept. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about yes. it, where it came from, and how do you use yes, it today?
2: Again. You know, it, it came from a meeting. I have one sitting on my on my desk. It's quite large because I give. They said, you know, uh, make a list of all the things you can manage and all the things you can't manage, and and go, you know, give them to the universe. So you can say universe, God, whatever, whatever you like. And what somebody said is, they call it a God can. I can't, but God can. Ah. So they put it into a God can. So I had a little thing, and I would write down, um, let's see, I actually wrote down um, uh, the phone company. You know, and I just, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm not getting on the line. I'm not, you know, and I put it into my God box, and then, and I dated, and I took it out cause in order to prepare for this call. And I thought... Oh, that went away. You know, and uh-huh. I looked at all the things. Um, meeting my uh, ex-husband's significant other uh, at Christmas last year. It's like, how do I do that? How do I, do I gave it to God, you know, and somehow I did it. So all the things that I worry about, it's someplace to put them. Because otherwise, you know, there's all this free-floating anxiety. So I have a jar full of things that I've given to God. And, you know, when I take them out one at a time, it's like, well, that was taken care of, that I was taken that. care of. It's, it is, it is you know, it's a letting go, and mm. let go and let God is another very common, you know, 12-step, you know, recovery, you know, um, slogan, which I love.
1: That There's is fantastic. Out
2: of my control. Thank you. You know, either you love it or you don't love it, but I, you know, for me, it's like, oh, yes. And that's why they become cliches, like one day at a time is now a cliché. But that started, you know, that's a an AA, an Alcoholics Anonymous thing. Mm. All we have is the, I can't give up. Drinking for the rest of my life, or whatever it is, but could I do it for an? Could I do it for an hour? Right. Could I do it for a day? So you know, they, they've become part of our vocabulary now in the world at large. I think AA is seventy or eighty years old now.
1: Well, that that tip is one that I'm going to implement. I love it. I love it. So, so in looking at um, your trilogy of books at this point, not that they're a trilogy <laughs> that they one flows necessarily into the other, but it seems that each one is a snapshot. So you have too much of not enough, you have decorating eggs, exquisite designs with wax and dye, and then sole proprietor. What is the common thread between the three, if there is one at all?
2: You know, it's hard to say. I think more between two and three because the uh, decorating eggs is really a how-to but, the you know, in all of them, I'm the protagonist, you know, <laughs> I'm the person, you know who's who's doing the talking. And, and the, the Decorating Eggs actually was a personal story about how I got involved with them and how, how I did them and how I expanded the craft. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think throughout it's me taking responsibility for my life and, you know, coming to the greatest fruition with Too Much If Not Enough, where I am taking 100% responsibility for my life. I think I think back in Soul Proprietor, I still blamed a little bit. I try not to blame at all anymore to take you know equal responsibility for everything that i that happens in my life because I'm an equal I'm the fifty fifty partner in whatever happens. and I think you know so many people uh they say you know when you point a finger at somebody else, three are pointing back at you,
0: mm-hmm. you, you
2: know hold your hand out and so it's like where what's my part in this and I think um i I don't know that I took full responsibility in sole proprietor, I definitely took full responsibility in too much if not enough and as far as decorating eggs that you know that was 1996 it came out so i don't even remember <laughs> i love the craft and i wanted to share what I, you know it's all sharing my my experience strength and hope my wisdom my you know my knowledge and what i love what i've learned
1: Fantastic. You know, and you just said, um, what is my part in this? Right. And I think that mm-hmm. that that idea is such an important one for the good things as well as the things that aren't going so well. Right. I think that yeah. it's easy for us to overlook the the really good things that are happening. You know, Wait a second. What is my part in this? And how can mm-hmm. I create more of this?
2: I just heard somebody, you know, it's something that I was aware of, but she said, uh, she challenged a a group that I'm in, it's a membership group, and she said, I want you to think of the person you admire most and write down all the qualities about them that you admire. You know, they're intelligent, they're curious, they're in, you know, a state of wonder, they have a nice sense of humor, blah, blah, blah. And she said, and I have a surprise for you tomorrow, and the surprise was... Those are all qualities you have in yourself. Because mm. in order to see them, you have to. You also have to have them. So you can be the person that you admire. And I think that's you know true of, of what you just said.
1: And what a great exercise too in that idea it is a, it of is a
2: good exercise. Yes,
1: all, writing down all of those characteristics. That's a great exercise. So Jane, we've talked about your really fabulous memoir, and I'm wondering if you could give your younger self one piece of advice. What would it be?
2: That's it's such a good question, and I in my coaching training we uh, had some an exercise called future self, and we were to envision you know where we would be in twenty thirty however many years, and part of it was you know what what was your future self, and by the way I dedicated my book to my future self because it's you know who I'm becoming, and she was so generous you know I, I, I we had this whole interaction a whole visualization. And she said, you're doing everything right. You're just doing everything right. And I think that we are. We're all so hard on
0: ourselves. Mm -hmm.
2: And the way to get where we're going is to keep doing what we're doing. I don't think anybody's doing stuff wrong, you know, for the most part. Right. But we all have this timeline. It's not happening fast enough. Why aren't I seeing results? But. You know my my future self 's advice to me was keep doing exactly what you 're doing, and it felt exactly right. It felt like that that 's really true what, what would I do differently? Try harder no and I just heard Judith light speak um, she was on a, a podcast with Alec Baldwin. And she said, you know, people are always asking me, you know, how do I get an agent? How do I find a manager? And she said, that's not the right question. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you enjoying what you're doing? Are you being the best person you can doing what you're doing? Are you raising healthy citizens? Are you a good citizen in the world? She said, those are the questions to be asking yourself, not how do I, you know, how do I get, how do I get? And I thought that was really sage advice. And she said, you know, that there was something greater than ourselves that was at, at work here and that. That in in being the best self you can be, then the opportunities arise, not by forcing them and pushing them. And not that you don't try to get an agent, but it's really how, who you're being, you know, and right. how I'm being in this moment, going back to this moment, this day, the now. Um, how am I being right now? And that's really what you're talking, you're looking at. And I was looking at my, you know, all the things that are coming up for me towards the end of the year, and they were all things that I didn't plan. Like, you found me. (laughs) That's right. You you know, I I, I posted on Facebook, but I didn't think, how can I get Laura to ask me to be on this show? And I'm doing two retreats. Both of them found me. Um, I did a talk last Wednesday night. She found me. And I'm out there, you know, trying, 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 and, you know, the universe has its own plan, and I've planted many, many seeds over the years to really trust that, to allow it to come to its own fruition. Not well, that you stop trying, you just do what you love doing all the time.
1: Well, and, that, and that's so in alignment with even what you said back in 2012, because in my research, I found this really great interview um, of you, where you said, you put out what you love, the universe sends you signals, and go from there. So, yes, exactly. I I mean, everything that you said, I assume that still aligns with you. How does it show up for you now? Um, Can I
2: tell a quick story? I would this love is, that. You know, yeah, so I was in the library. I go to the Fort Washington branch. I'm in Manhattan. I go to the Fort Washington branch, and there's it's a rainy day, and there's a, a young man who's ahead of me in line, and he says to the librarian, Um, I need to, you know, get back on the computer. I I didn't get to sign something. And she said, I'm sorry, you're only allowed to go on once a day. And he said, you know, it'll only take a minute. I, you know, I'm happy to wait, you know. And three times he approached her and three times she said no. So I'm, I'm observing this whole thing. And, you know, he looked like a decent guy. It's a public library. So I said to him, you know, I'm happy to lend you my, because you have to have a, you know, user number. I said, I'm happy to sign you on, you know, and you can have my PIN for, you know, for what you have to do. And it was like, oh, that would be amazing. So it was stepping a little bit outside of my comfort zone, because I thought, oh, is that breaking a law? But it's like, he, he was, you know, he was, he, he, whatever he had to do. So we go down to where the computers are. It's not going to be for 25 minutes. I said, you know what, I can't stay, but text me as soon as you get in. I'll send you my number. And anyhow, the transaction happens. He gets to sign it and he's you know he thanks me profusely and and then he said, "You have no idea how that small kindness was helpful to me, and so on and so forth." He said, "Would you like to go for coffee <laughs> <laughs> And I thought you know it was it was you know, he was half my age, but it was such a beautiful gesture. We met the next day and had coffee and talked for an hour, Aww. but it felt like it was just completely organic, and i you know i 'm uh, looking for uh, dating, and I thought a younger man would be great, and so for a moment, I thought, Wow, maybe maybe this is how I meet the person, but as somebody said to me just today, she said when your light is shining, you know mm-hmm. you are a, you're an attractor you're a magnet
0: magnet, and
2: so the more i can the more I can have my light shine and you know i I did something that was you know it was easy for me to do, but I was paying attention i I heard what happened and I helped, and so that's you know being in alignment with who I am, not like well, the library has its rules, and I've got to stick to that it you know. It was just going with the, the thought that this is a, a lovely young man and I can help him out. And he was so grateful and gracious. So it made my day, it made his day. And that's the energy I think that makes our world go around, mm-hmm. not, not the holding back and withholding, which was what I used to do a lot of.
1: So in this um, idea of, of giving and of self-discovery, I, I like to ask people, uh, do you feel like you've mastered you know, yourself, your craft? At this point in your life in your career what do you what do you feel like you 've mastered
2: um, you know I, I think what i 've mastered now and <laughs> is is being willing to ask for help mm. because i I really thought I had to do it all myself, and I realized how little i know i mean I, you know i 'm smart i 'm successful and all that, but there are so many things I need help for, and I think that that's, you know, again, the part of connection is like, you know, Laura, I need your help. I, 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 have, a sp- I have sponsors and, you know, a, a couple of my programs. And I was struggling with something, and I said, you know, can you help me? And as soon as I ask, it's like the universe just opens up and things get resolved. But it's my, you know, I had to be so self-sufficient and so um, isolated that I think the lesson and the thing that I've gotten used to, and it's still hard for me, is to say, I need help. I need help, and that we're not alone in this universe, that we really need to depend on others and can depend on others, and others are good and will help you. And so if I've mastered anything, it's the awareness that I can ask for help and that it will come. There's a, a you know slogan in most of the rooms that says, there is a solution and you are not alone.
0: Mm. And
2: I've, I've mastered coming out of myself to ask for help because... You know, I wanted to look good and and make everybody think I had the answers, and that was, there was no humility there. There was arrogance there, and I also was ashamed a lot because I didn't know the answers, and I thought they're going to find out I'm a fraud. So I think that what I've mastered is being willing to say, I don't know, Mm. but I can find out. I can, you know, I, I, I can ask for help.
1: That's such great self awareness. What advice do you have for people who um aren't there yet who 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 recognize it in themselves they have a hard time asking for help, but haven't made that step to to actually ask for it?
2: Mm. you know um I'm Jewish and i uh when I was doing my step work, one of the things is um pray for um you know like it's a seven step so you know it's some kind of prayer. And I said to the person who was helping me, you know, I don't, I don't get on my knees. And he said, don't think, of it as, don't think of it as kneeling. Think of it as assuming a posture of, of humility.
0: Oh, wow. That when you're actually
2: on your knees, there's a posture of humility. So I would say, if, you're, you know, if you can't do anything, just get on your knees and say, I don't know how to do this. You know, it doesn't have to be anybody specific. Just, you know, this, assume a posture of humility and say, I, I need help. And amazingly somehow there'll be a hunch, uh, you know, an intuition or something will come when you do that because we're not alone and there there is this divine connection. So I'd say, you know, humble yourself and, and get on your knees.
1: So true, and and this idea of connection becomes more and more important as we believe we're connected online, and yet there's less connection, human connection. Um,
2: exactly. I need to I need to touch people. I need to mm-hmm. be eyeball to eyeball. You know, and I, I I love Zoom. I love you know being able to see people virtually, but then they the screen goes dark and there's nobody to hug or hold hands with or anything. So, you know, I I'm really out and about every day so that I have some kind of human connection. It's essential to my soul.
1: Uh, Well, I am so appreciative of our time together tonight. I want to thank you so much for sharing your story and your great advice. Tell listeners how they can find you after the show.
2: I have a website, Jane Pollack, and it's P-O-L-L-A-K. There's no C in my last name, janepollack.com. My book, Too Much If Not Enough, is on Amazon, Indie Books, Barnes & Noble, Uh, So you can get it that way, and you can go to any bookstore and order it. It's uh, distributed uh, nationally, so you can get it anywhere.
1: Jane, thank you again. It is always great to reconnect with you, and I hope I get to see you sometime soon.
2: I hope so, Laura. It was wonderful to talk to you. These were great questions, and I, I just loved your your interest and your um, you know what you're up to these days.
1: Well, I appreciate it, and we will definitely be in touch soon. I want to um, remind all the listeners, I love and appreciate your thoughts on tonight's program. So be sure to visit Own Your Truth with Laura T.'s Facebook page and give me your feedback. Don't forget, if you missed a show live or you want to share this show with friends, you can catch replays on the Own Your Truth with Laura T. podcast, now available on iTunes. Remember, you can search the show, download episodes, and listen whenever you want. This is Laura T. on Own Your Truth. Hear you then, and good night.